0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Even the Score podcast, a podcast about movies, TVs, and video games and their scores and soundtracks. I am still Don, and I'm still here with my co-host, Anthony and Jason. Hello to you both. Oh, hello. Hey, to everyone who's uh, giving
1: us, uh, checking us out today on this podcast.
0: So what we decided to do for our second episode, because we are knee-deep in the holiday season, we decided to go through our favorite holiday movies and TV shows and uh, talk about the, the importance of those to, to us in our lives and specifically talk about the music involved in each of those productions. So I think we have some movies and some TV shows on on deck here that really do speak to each and every one of us. Uh, but, of course, up top, we want to make sure that uh, that we are inclusive to all of our listeners. Um, while the items that we're going to be talking about here are very specific to Christmas, we want to, to encourage people to celebrate what you want to celebrate or not celebrate what you don't want to celebrate. We are completely inclusive to whatever your beliefs, viewpoints, uh, positions, enjoyments are out there. And we just wanted to let you know that the the only reason we selected these three topics at hand is because they, they do mean so much to us, and uh, we just thought that the music was just that dang good that we needed to talk about it here on our podcast. So uh, we hope that we don't lose any any listeners at this point. We are going to be talking about non-Christmas spe- specific things uh, in our second segment of the, the podcast episode today. So hopefully we'll, we'll catch you then if you're just going to skip ahead. Or if you just want to join us in uh, talking about some of our favorite Christmas movies and TV shows, please by all means join us for, for our conversation. Um so what I thought we would do is just go one by one and talk about what we had selected on the list here and I think we're going to go first to Anthony. Anthony, if you want to go ahead and tell us about uh what uh what you want to talk about today.
2: Giddy up. Well for, first of all, thank you and very well said, Don with regards to Christmas focused episodes. Um, yeah, I think we we're obviously trying to go from our holiday centric theme, but uh, clearly all three of us were raised in a like Christmas themed household. So I think uh, it's also important to mention that I was raised Catholic, but and I celebrated Christmas, but I don't celebrate Christmas in like the traditional Catholic way. I definitely, it's very surface level for me. I like lights. I like songs. I like fun things. So I think a lot of celebration when it comes to Christmas for me is steeped in memory. And uh, memories of the joy I felt at that time. But it's not necessarily the focus. The religion is the focus of it. It's more of like what was going on at that time. And for me, I always listen to Home Alone soundtrack by John Williams. Uh, This time of year is so cold in Ontario. And it can get so, like... Yeah, like just dreary, and the sun goes down a lot earlier, and we're closing in on night day, which is uh, December 21st, the shortest day of the year. So I always found when I was growing up that Christmas lights around this time of year were so uh like bright and uh the music was so jovial and i remember distinctly in 1990 when this movie came out being in a theater and watching the trailer for it and it must have been the year before it came out or maybe the summer or whatever it was but they specifically played the the nutcracker theme or the dance from the nutcracker but it sped up a little bit
0: where are you going
1: when the McAllister family left on their Christmas vacation,
0: did we miss the flight? No, you just made it. Yeah!
1: They forgot one small thing.
0: Have yourself. I I remember
2: distinctly listening to that trailer, that music in the trailer, and being like, I want to see that movie. Like, I knew that from the Christmas, I knew that from the Nutcracker, but to see it in that context, I was getting really excited. So, fast forward to December 1990, and I distinctly remember sitting in the theater and just watching that movie with awe. I... Loved the story. I was the exact same age as Kevin, the main character. So the whole concept of being left alone and, you know, comically fighting off bumbling thieves, uh, really was up my alley and I totally had a blast with it. And so for me, a lot of times I come back to this because it's a Christmas staple. It just has so many fun themes and, um, John Williams really, like, the movie has some, like, pop songs, uh, like Christmas pop songs in it, but he really does create, I think, something so magical and um like i think Dawn we've talked about um how widespread john williams career is and uh i think it's funny that he can go from something like star wars or you know scary like jaws to like something so personal and magical like home alone um and one of the really fun things about this soundtrack that i've even kind of gone through right now is Going back to listen to it and then listening to the Harry Potter scores he does in the early 2000s. And the groundwork for those Harry Potter soundtracks is clearly in Home Alone. Like, you listen to that and there are small little things that I'm like, oh, yeah, that's the Hogwarts theme. Oh, there's, like, Diagon Alley. You just have these little, little things that it's, like, really fun to kind of discover what it is he's laid the groundwork and how he references references himself in the future um so i had a lot of fun i always have a lot of fun with this soundtrack And uh, I always think that like a really funny anecdote I found when I was researching this was uh, Chris Columbus, who directed the movie, he didn't originally uh, have John Williams in mind for it. He had the this uh, producer, uh, sorry, this um, sorry, let me try again. Composer. Yeah, <laughs> he had a composer named Bruce Broughton in mind that was originally going to do it. Who he had done stuff like Hawaii Five O and Dallas, the music for Dallas. Can you imagine if? Home Alone had been scored by the guy who did Dallas. I
0: and, hope I can find a clip and I can say, it. I bet it sounded like something a little like this, I then it'd go into yes. Sleigh Bells and the Dallas theme. And just
2: a little bit of rich. <laughs> anyway, so uh, he uh, wasn't able to score the movie, so Chris Columbus is kind of lost. He just calls up his friend Steven Spielberg and was like, Hey, Steven, have you got somebody in mind for my movie? And so, yeah, Steven Spielberg was like, yeah, here, have John Williams.
0: He's in his basement. Exactly.
2: Him. Let him go. And yeah, he kind of came in and scored the entire thing. And I, I just find it so beautiful and so etched in the holidays. And uh, here in Toronto, um, the Toronto Symphony Orchestra uh, started to do live soundtracks over the movies. And it became very popular. And Home Alone is the number one to sell out, sell out every single year you have to buy tickets in like January for December of that year. And so obviously with COVID, we haven't even been able to have that, um, but I have been trying to get tickets to that for years uh, and it's really hard. So that just shows you how popular um, Home Alone is and the soundtrack. That there is such a culture that people really want to see this music live, um, and I think that's such a testament to its um, enjoy like its joy, enjoyment by many. Uh, I don't know how do you guys feel about it. Have do you enjoy a good Home Alone viewing and listening?
1: So Home Alone, I guess, uh, hit a little different uh, for me, being from that that general area where it was filmed and everything. It was all really familiar, and actually, uh, digging back a little bit into it, a lot of it was sh- uh, shot and. Winnetka, which is a suburb, a couple uh, suburbs away from where I like grew up. Now, granted, my house, or actually my apartment, my parents' apartment, looked nothing like that, um, but it was very familiar. I mean, a lot of folks, especially in the more moneyed areas, uh, went pretty hard for Christmas. I mean, like, big light displays, and it looked very much like the way the houses in uh, the film looked. You know, for me, it it was just kind of, I don't, I mean, I guess I don't even know how to put my finger on it, but it was all really familiar, because as crazy as the situation was with uh, his parents leaving him there behind, it was kind of familiar, because, I mean, I grew up uh, in a single-parent household, and, you know, I knew the latchkey thing, and although (laughs) my mother never left me behind on a big family vacation, um, you know, that that whole having to fend for yourself... uh, was pretty great and you know the music that went along with it just it it just felt very christmas uh so i can totally relate to anthony's choosing it it is a great film and you know great holiday music to boot
0: so for for me and my family, like Home Alone is absolutely a staple during the holiday season. I was, uh, I mean, we're all, I believe, we've mentioned uh, of a certain age, very similar in, in years. Uh, so I'm the very similar there, Anthony. It it definitely came out right when I was hitting so a really good part part of my my adolescence, and it it was so huge in in our household. It's just it is a fantastic holiday movie that speaks to that that sort of young boy mentality that I experienced right alongside Kevin uh, when I was young. And even up until today, it's a great sort of nostalgic look back to days gone by and, and a simpler time when a young man could Basically kick ass and destroy two completely grown adults uh, and and protect his household. And realistically, if we look at the family aspect, I mean, a, a parent could leave their child behind, fly <laughs> off to Paris, not get arrested, not have anything, <laughs> so- like everybody just...
2: Yeah, essentially like the child endangerment in that movie is quite striking <laughs> yeah. and the fact that it's wrapped up in this funny little uh, happy package um, and even in the context of the sequel that they did it again you're just kind of like when are Child Protective services going to come inside this family because WTF like exactly <laughs> and of
0: course it's a movie that couldn't happen today I think a lot of the the things that we consume are now all prefaced with well this, this thing couldn't happen in our day because there are cell phones there's tons of security systems that you've self-installed kevin wakes up realizes he's alone parents call him on the cell phone things are fine go to whoever's house and then it's the end credits and we hear a great john williams score again so anthony are there any other um specific elements of the the soundtrack or the score that you wanted to, to kind of highlight before we we move on to jason
2: there's this scene in the movie where um kevin has kind of uh, met up with the neighbor who has this been this monster character throughout the movie, and he's been scared by him, and he kind of conquers his fear, and they have a very heartwarming discussion, and now the only thing left for him to do is beat the bloody pulp out of those thieves in a very comedic way, though. But uh, there's this scene in the church where they have the carol of the bells, and. It's such a retooling of it, um, but I think it really speaks to what John Williams did here is that he did take some some original compositions like that uh scene the uh, I think it's called like the Russian Tree pack dance from the Nutcracker, and he took it and he sped it up a little bit and he made it its own but Similar throughout the movies, I think this is really the biggest piece that uh, is really well known for me and a lot of people when I was doing research. The streaming on this at like December 1st for the Carol of the Bells track in the Home Alone soundtrack was at uh, $106 And now as we're recording this on December 20th, uh, it's at over 120 million streams. So, like, even in just, like, the last 20 days, that song has been streamed 20 million times. And it's specific to the John Williams, um, segment, segment from this movie. So, uh. Uh, Yeah, I just think it's really amazing that something that came out about child endangerment 20 years ago can have so many, sorry, 30 years ago? Is it 30 years
0: ago now? Oh, God, don't date us like that. Huh?
2: It is. Oh, my God. it's going to hurt. Anyways, uh, yes, I'll end on that to be like 30 years classic is what I bring to my Christmas listening.
0: You no, know, I think that's uh, I think that's a really great assessment of that score and thank you very much Anthony. And before we had really got into the the podcast recording, we had talked about some ideas about future episodes and one of those elements was how there's a lot of recycling or retooling or reimagining of a composer's previous work into later work. And I think you you really nailed it on the head with the home alone to to Harry Potter analogy. And I think Obviously, we're looking at movies that all also have a very similar sort of structure. You have a lone male child, very fanciful as well. While Harry Potter is completely steeped in magic, we still have Kevin doing some really sort of unique and almost fantasy style things with the the traps that he constructs in his house and the way that he defends it against the, the, the wet bandits. So it's interesting to see that sort of... Uh, comparison between the two, and of course with a with the holidays and specifically with Christmas, there is that sort of music motif that runs through Home Alone and and can kind of go into other genres because it is kind of plink plonky music and lots of bells and lots of uh, choruses and I think or lots of choirs and I think there's some really really interesting sort of dualities between between what you said between um, Home Alone and and what uh, what Harry Potter was doing so. Thank you very much for, for that. So I think we'll pass it over to Jason. Jason, what did you bring for us today? So the film that I or the
1: soundtrack to the film I want to talk about is uh the, the soundtrack for a Charlie Brown Christmas. Um that that album is such a great holiday. Like it really is emblematic of the holidays for me, and it doesn't feel quite right uh, without playing that at least a few times leading up to Christmas. You know, the, the great thing about it is that Uh, The, you know, the Vince Giraldi trio, they definitely have lots of standard Christmas songs on there, but they're only standard for a little tiny bit. You know, I mean, a few bars into the songs and they'll launch into, you know, what is really great, really great jazz. Um, You know, even just starting from O Tannenbaum or whatever, kind of how the the film starts out. It's just sort of there's just something very comforting about it. The the one song that's probably the most emblematic of that uh, soundtrack is The Christmas Time Is Here. In that film, Charlie Brown was really just trying to live his life. I I mean, he he was kind of down, kind of depressed, and just trying to find his sort of Christmas way. And obviously, all, all of his friends and whatnot around him. We're giving him business at various points of the film. But I think that's why jazz was such a great choice for the soundtrack, because jazz is really all about sort of like understanding the standards, understanding what the the sort of the guardrails are in music, and then doing your own thing in between. And that is really what Charlie Brown was just trying to do, do his own thing, as well as what the... Uh, the trio did in producing this i mean the trio was really just a piano bass and drums and they did their thing so very well i mean just the most simple of arrangements and the music just really speaks to you and going back to that christmas time is here there are two versions of it there's one uh with vocals where like you know it sounds totally like a a children's musical because apparently they were going for that effect but I actually, I find myself gravitating more towards the uh, the non-vocal version. And really because there's this kind of like this sense of melancholy in it. And, you know, while it's definitely very Christmas and it's very soothing, there's also this sort of, I think, recognition in the music that people may be going through some things during this time of year. Whether it's... Uh, being alone for the holidays or you know missing a a loved one that may have uh passed away or something like that there's there's sort of like that recognition even within what is a really nice Christmas song and I think you know if your situation is such that especially in 2020 where things aren't quite right you know obviously you might be missing your family or uh, not be able to connect in the way that you want to there's sort of that While it's totally fitting to sort of have that music on, have your cup of cocoa and like your Snuggie or something like that. And, you know, watching kids play in like the snow or something kind of like how they did in the beginning of the film. It's also well suited for just, you know, obviously not making yourself too sad, but recognizing that there might be some sadness around this time of year for you too. I really appreciated that about the that particular song, but for the rest of it, you know, it's just kind of, again, it's the fluidness that jazz brings to it, and I, I really, I'm sure if it had been done a different way, it may have been cool, but I really have a hard time imagining uh, this particular soundtrack done any other way, and you know, the great thing about it is, aside from being a great holiday album, it fits equally well amongst uh, other jazz albums of that time. I mean, I recently picked up like some Sonny Rollins and like uh, Herbie Hancock and I could have played it in between those albums and it wouldn't have made total sense. So I mean, it's it's just really great. And it's a testament to uh, what the trio did, kind of spending half of their career producing music for uh charlie brown films and tv shows and the like and you know it's sad that he was sort of taken from the world kind of early uh at 47 i think um but yeah it's it's a really great soundtrack to a, a really cute film and it's something that is i try to make part of my holiday every year it's not exactly a tradition but it's
0: pretty close I think I think you've really nailed it with going back a little bit with talking about how Charlie Brown's just trying to live his life and the way that kind of the jazz interpretation of of these uh, holiday staples it is just three individuals, three musicians and they just tool around and they are experiencing it kind of as they go and it's again just them trying to live their life trying to play out the music. I think I like that that imagery that you've just put out there in that regard. And and I for me, A Charlie Brown Christmas is absolutely, again, one of those staples. And that's probably more so even than Home Alone. It was the thing that I constantly watched and still continue to watch up until this day. And I've always found that um, Vince Giraldi trio and the music that's been put into A Charlie Brown Christmas has just been so outstanding for me and in kind of the ways that you talked about. there, There's... Differentiations upon the standard and i 've always felt like myself there 's the standard picture of of who I should be in relation to where I grew up and and my upbringing and my education and religious standpoints from way back when I was younger to today i 'm very much different, so I like to take that sort of I like that view that you've provided it and take it and kind of embrace it and look at it in a in a new way that you've kind of just framed here, which is uh, fantastic. And of course, it's just really great music. It is so musically simple, but complex all at the same time. And it just hits right for me in regards to that's how I want to celebrate my holiday season. Laid back, relaxed. Adjusting, improvising, doing different things as necessary, but still kind of keeping a little bit of a traditional aspect to it. But obviously, looking outward and experiencing the emotions around the holiday season, because for me, it's it's always been very different in the during during the holidays, no matter where I've been.
2: Yeah, I really liked your breakdown of that soundtrack,
0: um, and just the Charlie Brown Christmas.
2: Mine is like, um, I. I have less attachment to this because I didn't really get into it until I was much older. And so I uh, can really appreciate it now. And especially uh, your discussion about the Christmas Time is Here version with the off-key singing, I think is so... It just reminds me of Christmas pageants. Reminds me of, like, exactly what it's supposed to be representing, which is kids being kids at Christmas... But also just that underlying message of the commercialization of Christmas It's so amazing that they were able to bring that message and how popular that is. Um, so yeah, I found that as I get older, I'm coming around to a Charlie Brown Christmas more uh, more frequently. And I it's actually a purchase I made a couple years ago on vinyl. Um, and I love playing it at this time of year. It's such a fun, calming soundtrack. <laughs>
0: Excellent. Well, thank you very much for for that, uh, Jason and Anthony. I am going to bring a little bit of controversy to the table because classically, as we approach the holiday season, um, the debate always seems to rage as to whether Die Hard is a Christmas movie or not. And I am going to put my spin on it. I'm going to include my reasons, my rationale as to why I do believe that Die Hard is a Christmas movie. And Jason actually sent a really great video that captured a lot of the uh, the things that I was already thinking about in regards to why Die Hard is a Christmas movie. And here are my arguments. So, point the first. Um, Die Hard actually takes place on Christmas Eve. And it is a a movie that is a movie that is encompassing an entire day. It goes from uh, about the middle of the afternoon as John McClane flies from New York to Los Angeles. And it goes until early Christmas morning once the, the events have finally concluded. And it occurs at what I think is the quintessential Christmas event That makes everything kind of condensed and makes you realize that if if you didn't know it before, this is absolutely Christmas. And that is the standard horrible office Christmas party. I mean, we have watered down champagne being carted around we have awkward conversations we've got guys doing coke on his desk we've got couples fornicating around in their own offices really awkward stuff and if anything screams christmas it is absolutely the christmas holiday uh, office uh, party and uh, i really do think that the setting for die hard really does put it into it is a, a christmas movie because if we look at other christmas movie staples um, or other Christmas movies that are kind of standard for the holiday season, they don't specifically occur on the holiday season. For example, something like It's a Wonderful Life, while some of the big events occur at on Christmas Eve, um, a lot of the movie follows George Bailey's life throughout at different periods of time, and there's huge focuses on different settings, um, like him, him at different ages, and uh, talking about the war, and talking about him going off to college, or travel, and it occurs at, at different months, so that movie kind of stretches out across a whole Bunch of different seasons, whereas it doesn't just specifically happen at Christmas. And the same with something like Miracle on 34th Street. I mean, classically, we think about a, a movie about determining if a, a person who's playing Santa Claus is actually Santa Claus. That movie starts on Thanksgiving. That doesn't even start on Christmas. So, my argument for my first point is that because Die Hard occurs at a holiday party during the Christmas season, like on Christmas Eve, it absolutely is a, a Christmas movie. Second point is everybody talks about how it's an action film there's terrorism there's shooting there's deaths there's John McClane pulling pieces of glass out of his feet that doesn't make it a Christmas movie. But if we look at other Christmas movies, I mean, if we've just talked about one, Home Alone, I mean, Home Alone is about home invasion and child abandonment and latchkey children and awfulness in that regard. And that's still considered to be one of the greatest holiday movies of all time. Uh, Miracle on 34th Street, as I just mentioned, it's a courtroom drama movie about trying to determine if this man is is Chris Kringle. So, Why not? Why not terrorism? Why not shooting? Why not action? Why not flinging somebody out of a building onto a police car? It's the holidays. Anything happens, anything goes. Now let's take a look specifically at the score itself. And Michael Kamen is the the composer. And Michael Kamen did some some of the most well-known action film scores of the 80s and 90s. But what he has done with Die Hard is he's twisted it and he's added in those sorts of holiday staples that you expect from any sort of Christmas movie. And of course, one of the big things when it comes to holiday, um, holiday scores or soundtracks are bells. And as Anthony mentioned, Carol of the Bells is a huge component. And there's what John Williams did, twists it a little bit. Michael Kamen does the exact same thing. He throws bells into the something like the main title theme as John's flying in at the airport. And there's these really ominous shaking bells, almost like sleigh bells playing in the background as kind of strings start to build. And there's this sort of awkward, ominous feeling kind of building within you. It's like, all right, this isn't going to be my standard Christmas movie. And what else uh, that Cayman does is he utilizes Beethoven's uh, Ninth Symphony, which I think while it's not specifically associated with holidays um, in its writing or composition, it's been utilized so much around the holiday season that I think it's to build that, to bring that into it, similar to what John Williams did with, with Home Alone. And again, twist it and play with it and make it kind of fit the, the genre of movie that, uh, that he's working with, I think really does work. And of course, my final point, and then I will conclude and let the jury decide if this is a a Christmas movie, is that the soundtrack, the the licensed music that's put into the movie is completely Christmas. It is winter wonderland. It's let it snow. And of course, last but not least, any movie that includes Christmas and Hollis by Run DMC is absolutely a Christmas movie in my book. And really, Christmas and Hollis, we're talking about um, a we're talking about a song where um, Run finds a million dollars in, in Santa's wallet and posts it back to him, and DMC just sings about how he's so looking forward to to dinner at his mom's and singing carols. I mean, that is wholesome to the core. It is. Absolutely specific to the to the holiday season, and for those reasons, I do believe that Die Hard is a Christmas movie, and I believe that the score within Die Hard really does represent that sort of holiday Christmas theme that you're you're looking for out of any of the movies that we've talked about today. I think what what Cayman does uh, with the the action theme really. I, it speaks so much to me in regards to what he's trying to, to build within the audience. There is anticipation, there is awkwardness, there's this sense of foreboding and, and intensity when it comes to terrorists and, and terrorist activity in a, a confined space. Um, not only the confined space that John McClane experiences when he's crawling through the ducks, but the confined space of, of a building and of course that holiday season. I think what the music does really works for the movie and what the movie does really works for the holidays.
1: So, I, you know, it's pretty awesome. Uh, I almost wonder if uh, a daily show was spying on us, but it was kind of cool getting that co-sign from him about, about uh, Die Hard being a Christmas film. But, I mean, to your, the points that you made, I mean, yeah, it's it's centered around the holidays. There's lots of holiday films. You know, the whole awkward office party vibe that you talked about before, I think it's really—I mean, at the end of the day, if it means Christmas to you or anybody else, I think it is. I mean, I think that's kind of the the brilliance of it. Uh, you know, there are other films that uh, people may question, but ultimately it's sort of what does Christmas mean to you? And, I, you know, the fact that there are explosions and whatnot or, you know, lots of uh, terrorists being shot— it's kind of irrelevant i mean the point is that it's centered around this time and there are lots of other films that are you know may not necessarily start out you know that are totally christmas focused i mean after all even a christmas story one of my favorite films a lot of it wasn't you know i mean it was kind of a build-up to christmas and ultimately ralphie getting uh the the bb gun that he wanted but a good part of the story was just like him living his life as a kid just before holiday break so i guess I'm not going to be the gatekeeper and I'm not going to say what the line is as far as what's a Christmas film or not. But, it, you know, again, if if it feels like one to you, I'm all for it and totally support of uh, I think you've defended your uh, choice pretty well.
2: I would definitely agree, too, because, again, as never having seen Die Hard, I have seen clips of Die Hard. I know lots of references to the characters, but... I listened to the soundtrack for this episode, and within the first five seconds of the track, of the opening track, I was like, this is a motherfucking Christmas movie. <laughs> like, how are people not, like, just on board with this? That was my one question. I was like, how could people think this isn't a Christmas movie? But I think it's also the same people that don't think Gremlins is a Christmas movie. And the uh, same people that don't call. think... Batman returns as a Christmas movie because those movies all take place in and around Christmas in the same way that you guys have said that even some classic Canadian, uh, sorry classic Christmas um, movies will not necessarily always center around Christmas. And I think there's this weird gatekeeping with Die Hard, and it comes from action movies. Uh, sorry, people who enjoy action movies that are often um, don't want to emasculate. Die Hard and how badass John McClane is and so like the softening of Christmas around Die Hard I think is a weird discussion and I think you proved your point perfectly like you basically just laid it out to be like it literally happens on Christmas Eve so I'm like for anybody who's like no it's not a Christmas movie I'm like I feel sorry for you
0: (laughs) who hurt you who
2: hurt you at Christmas that you can't let Die Hard be a Christmas movie
0: why are you the way that you are? <laughs> exactly. What's going on? Thank you both for for that, and uh, I think uh, I think we've all provided some some interesting perspectives about some some holiday classics, specifically Christmas classics, that really do speak to our past. And hopefully our listeners really do uh, identify with some of those selections. And if not, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what your selections were. Uh, so you can reach us at our Gmail account at eventhescorepodcast at gmail.com, or you can find us on Twitter at eventhescorepod. Go ahead and, and reach out. Let us know what you're watching, what you're listening to, what you're enjoying throughout the holiday season. But I think for now, we will leave this topic here and we will move into our second segment. For our second segment, what we thought we would do is just maybe branch out a little bit from just the scores and soundtracks that really do make up the holiday season for for each of us and just talk about some of our favorite things to to listen to, to enjoy, to appreciate over the, the holiday season. I think a lot of us have selected some really great Christmas songs that we really wanted to talk about here. So I think what we will do is I'll, uh, I'll toss it over to Jason to kick us off. Jason, what are some of your favorite things from the, the holiday season that you wanted to mention? so as far as chris uh favorite
1: christmas songs for me i think you know one that kind of rises to the very top of the list is santa baby by uh eartha kitt um i kind of learned recently through uh a, a, like a work trivia thing uh that that was kind of like one of her biggest well you know i mean she's mainly an actress at least in my book but that was like a really huge song for her and perhaps the biggest of her singing career which again you know i didn't necessarily follow her singing career but i think that's pretty cool too but there's just something so funky about the fact that you know here you have this really classic christmas song but there's this weird air of sexuality and sort of seduction between Eartha Kitt and the you know santa that she's singing to um and i think that that's that's pretty cool
0: next year i could be just as
2: good if you check off my christmas list santa baby another one of my
1: choices is uh i saw mommy kissing santa claus by the jackson five and you know i mean maybe there's kind of a a theme between this and a couple of the other songs i like but i just you know the sort of innocence of michael uh you know in the beginning talking about you know basically hey mom what are you doing like you know it's Just how that sort of launches out and just sort of their sound at the time as the Jackson 5, it's really, really classic to me. And it's kind of hard not to smile when that song is on. Another one of my favorites, you know, we mentioned this kind of in the last episode a little bit with like some of the first vinyl that I had as a kid. And one of the very first albums was uh, the, you know, the Chipmunks Christmas album. And so the Chipmunk or the, uh, Christmas Don't Be Late song uh, off of there is super classic to me. I mean, like, you know, I don't even know how they what the technique was to get their voices like that. I mean, obviously, I guess, you know, whoever the voice actors were, they were basically doing their thing here, too. But, you know, there's just something about that line where, you know, Alvin is asking, about the fact that, or just saying that all he really wants is a hula hoop, that just, you know, it resonates. I mean, obviously, that isn't even a big toy for kids nowadays, but whatever that thing is, I mean, you know, whether it's a hula hoop or a PS5, it's just the thing that, you know, you gotta have. And there's just, again, a lot of innocence and sort of, it's really hard not to smile when that song is on, much like the song before. Alvin. Okay. Be-
0: Thank you very much for that, uh, Jason. Anthony, what about you?
2: Uh, Jason, I have to agree with you on the chipmunks. Uh, one of my favorite things to say around the holidays is, Me, I want a shoe that's And uh, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, so anyway, my favorite holiday listenings, if you will... Um, The one that always gets me in the spirit is this vinyl I picked up like three or four years ago and I, it was in the dollar bin at, um, Cops Records and it's called Disco Noel and it was released in 1979 and there's this like Canadian pressing of non-verbal disco versions of Christmas songs. So like, there's no like lyrics whatsoever. It's just disco beats but like to classic christmas songs and it is so fun i freaking love it i put it on every year uh sometimes even before december 1st because it always gets me in the mood i'm just it's very campy it's very kitschy it's very christmasy Um, that is definitely always on my play radar. Uh, I would say the next one is the Christmas, uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Um, specifically, uh, the Mavis Staples, uh, opening song, Christmas Vacation. God, that is such a great Christmas song. And, uh, it just, I rewatched the movie the other day, uh yeah the shitter was full that's that's all I can really say (laughs) Um, and then last uh, but certainly never least I would say my number one Christmas song is Last Christmas by Wham and I'm not talking about the radio edit version I'm talking about the seven minute version that has like a minute and a half intro and then it just softly goes into George Michael Happy Christmas. Oh, God. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I would say Wham! Last Christmas is probably my number one Christmas song that I will always come back to and always put on. And uh, I will even put it on during the year. Like, sometimes I'll just be the middle of July and I'll be like, you know what? I need a uh, a Wham! Christmas party right now.
0: Uh, my selections are uh, very much steeped in kind of what we had talked about in the previous segment, just stuff that I had historically um, always listened to. Uh, but w- the first one I want to talk about is more so what I found uh, into my 20s when I was going through uh, university, and that was uh, Naked Ladies' Elf's Lament. So the Naked Ladies' classic Canadian, funky, fun rock group, and they did a fantastic uh, holiday album called Naked for the Holidays, and Elf's Lament is the elves... Uh, Um, perspective or point of view about how in uh, how like indentured they are to to Santa Claus and how much they have to work and there's no union support for them being overworked and it's just this fun, uh, classic bare naked lady style with a lot of dialogue condensed into a really short um, song and it's just fun funky really enjoyable that one I definitely throw on several times and I'll catch myself singing it like the first bunch of verses all the time even during non holiday seasons it's just it's. So, it's such an earworm and it gets caught in my head constantly. Um, I really do enjoy it. Uh, the next one I like to talk about or I like to listen to during the holiday season comes from the album A Christmas Gift for You from Phil, Fe- Phil Spector. I mean, we're talking like classic sort of uh, producer who brought all of these really great sort of funky groups together. And uh, the the one track off there that always gets me is "Frosty the Snowman" by the Ronettes. I mean, they it's classic sort of it's classic with the the Phil Spector wall of sound, where it's just it's it it just is barraging your ears from second one and it just hits you like a wave and then the Ronettes kick in with Frosty the Snowman of all the songs that they do and it's just so fantastic, and I really do enjoy throwing that on. Um, the third thing that I like to listen to uh, over the season is the Boney M Christmas album. I mean, just unbelievably catchy and so good. And I recall my, mother, my mom listening to this constantly and loving it. And, of course, it's Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad is the greatest song. It's the greatest track off that album. And it is, again, if you really want to go to enjoying the holiday season with a bunch of positivity with some great sort of feeling to it i think we we've all got some really good tracks i mean just listening to disco versions of holiday staples would be amazing throwing a little boney m in there it'd be even better Those are definitely three of my, my favorites and and yeah those are those are things that are always somewhere within my my ear space when it comes to to the holiday season. So before we close up this episode, I thought we would just go around and if there's anything else we wanted to recommend to people that they should enjoy during the holiday season, aside from just taking some time for themselves. If you if you do have the opportunity to take some time off, if you are celebrating, if you're not celebrating, whatever you are doing, hopefully you're taking some time to take a breather and get yourself ready for hopefully a sea change going into 2021. Do either of you have any suggestions for, for our listeners as to uh, things that we would recommend? Sure.
1: So... You know, I until recently, I didn't even know that there were a group of people who didn't appreciate a Christmas story because, you know, I mean, I guess it's kind of part of me understands it because they show it over and over again on like all the major uh, uh cable uh, networks like AMC or like TPS. But there is just something so charming about that story to me, Um, you know, uh this little uh funny glass uh glasses wearing kid named Ralphie and his his brother and the family and, you know, the dogs, the uh from the neighbor and just like you know, this this weird father figure, um and and mother and just sort of like even though the scenery uh was not like anything I grew up with, I mean obviously I, I think that film must have been set in like the the sixties or something like that. But um, it just is a really, it's, it reeks Christmas to me. And I, I don't really think any Christmas is complete without it. So, you know, even if you're not necessarily a fan of that film, give it another, another chance because I just think it's really, a, it really is Christmas. The only other thing I would advocate for is if you got it in the house, I mean, obviously, you know, the, the eggnog is easy enough to get from your neighborhood grocery store, but little rum and eggnog, um, definitely is also very christmas to me especially if you're a, of a uh, drinking age and it's a way to sort of uh make the season bright uh so i would definitely advocate for that um especially given the year that was 2020
2: for sure <laughs> bring all the eggnog on and all the rum um i would say my recommendations for this holiday season um uh is a very Casey christmas Casey Musgraves. Uh I'm a bit of a country queen myself and uh, as much as I love Dolly and I will get into Dolly don't worry. But uh, Casey Musgraves is a my new kind of uh, current obsession. And she released an album called A Very Casey Christmas about four years ago. And she does some amazing covers, but also she creates some new original songs. And I think what I like most about Christmas songs is original Christmas songs. I like r- covers, and but I really do appreciate an original Christmas song. And so she's created some really fun Christmas songs that are very catchy, very sad. Um and so that would be my like top recommendation would be Casey Musgraves.
0: Well, with that, I want to thank you both uh, for, uh, again, joining me on the podcast here. Really do appreciate your your takes and your perspectives. Um, I just want to wish you both happy holidays. Enjoy your time away. I know that we're we're all getting some time away from, from work, away from obligations there, and hopefully we all have time to recharge. And we just want to say thank you to all of the listeners out there. If you want to reach out to us and just talk to us about the episodes, if you want to discuss some future topics that you think that would be uh, really great for us to discuss, you can go ahead and find us... Uh, via our gmail account at even the score podcast at gmail.com find us on twitter at even the score pod, we'd be more than happy to hear from you. Also, we want you to go ahead and to subscribe to our podcast to wherever you listen to podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, we are on all of those platforms. You can find our RSS feed in any of those uh, platforms and go ahead and definitely give us some recommendations. Share us with your friends and if you do listen to us on a platform that has a review system, go ahead and give us a five-star review if you enjoyed us and uh, provide a really great uh, glowing review of our dulcet tones throughout your your earbuds here Uh, we really do appreciate any support that we get from our listeners and we just want to continue to grow this platform so thank you again don i hope uh everyone out there listening
1: has a wonderful uh well day or week or whatever and i hope that you uh join us again for our next episode because we will be trying
0: to make the content exciting for you all this has been the even the score podcast we will catch you next time